Good morning. Page 622 in your uh, church Bible in the pew rack there will be our first scripture reading this morning out of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 14, if you want to follow along. Now let us listen to God's word. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted to us, and the great goodness of the house of Israel, that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to their enemy and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people, where he is, where he, who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock. Where is he, where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock, they go down into the valley. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Our New Testament reading this morning is found on page 812 from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let us go before the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for so many things. We thank you for allowing us to get up one more morning to see your glorious goodness to us in a sunrise, the cooler weather, the beginning of the leaves changing. All these things are signs that point to you and your involvement in this that you have created for us, not only for our enjoyment, but it brings you pleasure as well. Lord, we thank you so much for your plan for creation and those you created, and we would be them. Lord, we thank you for providing for us a pathway that we can come to know you, and that is through Jesus Christ, your one and only, your begotten, our Lord and Savior, Lord. Thank you for that precious gift that you've given to us that allows us to be able to commune through him to you. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for its mission in South County. We thank you for the pastoral staff that you set before us, Lord. We pray for them as they continue to bring God's word and 
speak the words of the gospel, Lord, they are under attack, and we know it, and we pray for them and their families as well. Lord, we pray now for our Pastor Jerry Strait as he comes before this congregation to uh, bring your word and to speak the truth. So we'd ask that you would have special grace for him this morning. We ask that you would be gracious to us, that your spirit would uh, move in us and cause us to hear and to see all these things that you want us to see this morning in your word, which we may have read before and heard sermons on before, Lord. But we pray that we would hear something different, something that would prick us more than it has in the past. Lord, we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. And let me just briefly say thank you for everything so far. My family has been hosted in a tremendous way. Uh, we have enjoyed everything from the traffic of D.C. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, all the way through the farmlands and the rides and the bikes. So we appreciate the openness and the houses that you've given us. It was such a blessing to be able to just be here and be able to see the area and meet the people. So thank you very much. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis. I'm going to take us on a journey this morning, if I can, on what I've entitled Beginning Again with God. Uh, as all of us know, we go through times in our life in which we face circumstances that cause us to rethink. It causes us to reconsider the things that we're doing, and sometimes it even challenges us to a point we want to quit. But as we go through those circumstances in life, and we go through our trials and our challenges, we also realize that there's only one way to do it right. Now, if you're like me, I've tried many times to start over. Uh, we go through circumstances in life, and I want to begin again. So what you do is you buy a new car. Because you got a nice fancy car, it's new, it's up to date, you got new gadgets, you let go of the old and you move on. Sometimes you get a new job and you say to yourself, you know what, I just need a fresh start, didn't like where I was, maybe a whole new career, a whole new job. Maybe it's new pets. You know, maybe it's something in the house needs to change or maybe it's a new house. Sad to say that we even have some in which they've tried new families, try to get rid of the past, move on to what could be different. Some of us have been forced to do that. Some of us have been put in situations where we have had to face tribulation and trials through the loss of loved ones, through the rearranging of our lives. You find yourself starting over, not because you want to or you want something different, but you find yourself in a place where you realize, I have no other choice but to start over. And I want to encourage you this morning as we go forward that if you found yourself starting over, I want to encourage you to do it this time with God. And I'm not saying just because you're not a Christian. But I'm saying that I have made more mistakes in my life. I identify with Paul a lot when Paul would write and say, man, of all the sinners, I'm the worst. And the grace that Paul had was he had on his side that he could say, you know, I was once not a Christian and I made all these mistakes. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm now living for the Lord. I could humbly come before you today and say that's not true in my life. I would honestly tell you here this morning that if you're here to listen to someone who's never made mistakes, always lived the perfect life, I humbly tell you, I've had to begin again as a Christian, as someone who has failed more than one time. My sins have mostly been since I was saved at a young age after I knew Christ. So when it comes to beginning again, you might be here and identify with me this morning and say, I've tried a many a different things. But you know what, Pastor, here this morning, I really need a fresh start. I really need a chance to see things differently. The emptiness that has haunted me 
the chaos that's gone through my life, the wanting of being shunned and aside and searching for meaning is something I've always wanted. And so I challenge you this morning to turn with me to Genesis because I'm going to take you on a journey that when we all face those times in our life that we must begin again or start over, I want to challenge you this morning, let's begin again with God. And you might say, why? Why God? I'm going to take you on a journey of several things you can follow along, if you will. I'll write them down on the side of your Bible or put them in the notes as you're following along. I appreciate Nick. Uh, he put together a little bulletin for me. Uh, I will tell you, Nick told me I had till 12.15, the fellowship meal. Uh, no, that, that's not true. Uh, he told me, just don't let him miss the food, and they'll be all right. But I want you to follow along, write these things down, and keep them, because throughout life, every time we find ourselves in a circumstance, we must not do it without God. But the same God who does that, it's found in 2 Corinthians 4. You don't have to go there and follow all these. You can write these down. It says, the same God who created this world. He said it this way, the same God who said, let there be light, spoke in our hearts to make us what we are. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm taking you on a backward journey, says that behold, we are new creations. All things have been made new. The old has passed away. Where does Paul get these things when he talks about, let's go back to being new to this same creator that said, let there be light? Well, I'm not here this morning to give you a a sermon on whether or not we should believe every verse and how it came about and which order it was in. And I'm not here to justify the creation process. What I am here to do is to say the same God that Paul says is the one who creates light in our hearts and changes us is the same God of creation. And so for us to understand that, we go back to creation. And so let me give you something that you're very familiar with. Follow along. It's Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning verses. It says this, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness, called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, morning, the first day. Follow along with me as we realize the same God who created this world is the same God who recreates in us every time we need to begin again. Let me encourage you, it's never too late to begin again. So let's look at the first thing as we go along. Why is it that I should be with God in beginning? First, look what he says. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details. I only have a a few short minutes to do all of this, and so I'm going to try to put it in a succinct form for you, but please follow along. When God created, he created from nothing. And the analogy that we get from Paul is that Paul was the same person who said, if you were looking at this God who created, he did the same in my life. And if anyone could think or to relate to us about what it means to begin again, it would be Paul. It would be the one who was the Apostle Paul now, but we knew as the pre-Apostle Paul, or you could say pre-Paul Saul or post-Saul Paul, however you want to put it, he was one who understood what it was when the light shone. He understood what it meant to be recreated, to be one who thought their life was on track, thought they had everything in place, and began to realize that everything they worked for, everything they wanted, was nothing. Paul understood that God begins with nothing. The analogy that it makes in your life is not that you're not, that you don't have a purpose or that you don't have meaning, but he says he begins with nothing. You do not come to Christ with something to give him so that he can change it and make it better. You do not come to Christ with an already made solution to say, God, take this, work it out, and make it a little stronger. 
When Paul says that when you begin again and you begin with God, you've got to come understanding that you have nothing to offer. And he reaches inside and takes the nothingness and creates. If you're following along, it's because, number one, God creates from nothing because he has a plan. He has a plan for you. God would not begin to work in you if he didn't have a plan that everything in your life is going to come to fruition to prove what that plan is. Every one of us have gone through those circumstances. I couldn't go through each of yours. The hardest part about coming when you preach to a congregation is you want to learn everything about everybody. I tried to dig up enough dirt as I could. <laughs> I'm telling you. You guys know everything about me, everything that's been written, go online, do these things. And man, I got a lot from Neil and Rusty. I got it all. And right in that metro with Cindy, man, what a, what a chore. The ones that you would take to host us, I'm amazed at uh, what is coming. So I'm preaching for me to begin again. Uh, and this time as we go, but he takes what we have. Folks, I appreciate everything, but in all of your lives, it doesn't matter what the dirt is. It doesn't matter what we're hiding. We all come to that point in our life where we realize when we begin again, we begin with a God who takes our nothingness and creates something because he has a wonderful plan. And how does that plan come about? Listen to what he says. He said, when God created the heavens and earth, here's what he said. It was without form and it was void. Folks, these are words that we could go back and look at all you want to, but the plan that he has for us begins in Hebrews when he begins to tell us that the word that he speaks and the words that he commands are the same words that never come back void. They're sharper than a two-edged sword and they pierce to the marrow. And sometimes we find out that the reason we need to begin again is because we've never really let him recreate in us. Folks, you are a recreation from the moment Adam and Eve sinned. From the moment the fellowship with God has been broken, realize we've been set on an unstoppable journey toward death. And every one of us have one thing in common. And that is each and every day we're one closer to the end, along with each other. Whenever that day may be, it may be different for you and I, but we're one step closer. And for some of us, we don't realize that God's got to recreate in you the same way he created from the beginning. And he takes that nothingness and listen to what he says. He took this darkness that was over the earth. It was without form and it was void. Listen to what he's really saying to us. Is not only does God have a plan for us, but there is a procedure of how it comes about. The spirit of God is hovering over the face of the deep. He takes the chaos that is in there. Listen to this. This without form and void is no different than saying the world was chaos in one sense. It didn't have its structure. And he brings it under control. He brings it to the point where it starts to have purpose and meaning. And you may be here this morning and realize that when Paul relates back that the same God who said, let there be light, is the same God who took the nothingness of your life and has began to create it and take all the chaos and bring it under control. I don't know what the chaos is in your life this morning. I don't know if it's anything like my life. I have eight children, a wonderful wife. She's glad to have me. I'm also glad to have her. But the truth of it is, I know what chaos is. You probably woke up this morning in the same way I have. You thought to yourself, well, where's, where, 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 what are we having for breakfast? Where, where are the kids? That's a big one for us. Do we have them all? Have we counted them? I'm not sure where it is that you are in life and what the chaos is. It's because our mom is still facing the decisions of the rest home. It's because we've still got the bills of the unthings we're paid. We've taken over the bills of our children because they made bad decisions. It's because we're looking forward to the next day. It's all chaotic. And it doesn't change because a life without God remains chaotic. 
if God doesn't take the nothingness of your life and begin to recreate that which he wants for you, you don't understand what it means when he begins to take all that chaos and bring it under control. If you're ready to begin again in a certain part of your life, let me encourage you this. It's not going to be how new the vehicle is that changes the chaos. And the same job that you changed to is going to have the same chaotic functions as the one you just left. And the same brand new friends that you just made are going to bring the same chaos as the friends you've just left. It's all the same. Until God begins to recreate and take that chaos, bring it under control. We can see it throughout the scriptures in many ways. As Jesus himself walked on the shores of Galilee, as he walked into those that were hurting in many different ways. But the most important, you could go down the analogies of those that were hurting, those that were crying out, those that needed healed. But to reach down to the one who would be filled with demons would be no different than let him look into our hearts and say to us, your life is full of chaos. Let me clean it up and let me bring it under control. This is the same God who created all things from nothing. This is the same God that knew how to create a universe, put it into motion, have its providential care over it. This is the same God who cared enough to create all things, looks at us and said, but I care enough about you that I wanna take the nothingness of your life And I want to bring the chaos under control. You see, when Paul refers back to this, how it is that this one who speaks light also brings light to our life, he says it's not just because God has a plan for you. And it's not just there's a procedure and how he's going to bring it about, taking all the chaos in your life. Listen what he goes on to say. He said, not only was it without form and void, but there was darkness over the face of the deep. Now, I don't need to go into all the details. I trust you read your Bible. You can't read it far in the New Testament without getting around John and realizing that darkness is an amazing analogy throughout Scripture. Not only is darkness a time of emptiness, but darkness is a relationship to the sin, the rebellion, the without, the cold. It's the wonderful way that God has taken the world, and even though he began to take the chaos of it and bring it under control, there was one more thing it needed, and that was it needed to be filled. You're here this morning And nothing will fill the emptiness in your life other than the light of God. The love of God who created a world and created you to have fellowship with him is the same one that says, let it happen in your heart. Let there be light. We're even told throughout scriptures that not only is Jesus the light of the world, Matthew 5, you can write it down, go to verse 14, reminds us that we too are a light of the world. Now, I want you to catch this. It's always exciting for me as I read scripture to get into it. I I love how God meshes things together. But I want you to think about the luminaries that have been made throughout creation. And again, not to defend everything, but people have always said before, I wonder how it is that you can be able to create light and it's not until later on that we have the luminaries. How can that even be? I refer you to the book of Revelation as we've been preaching through for the last year in our own church to see things from the throne of heaven and to see how God controls things. When you get a glimpse from the bottom up to see all the majesty that goes on and to realize that even Revelation says that when we get there one day, we won't need light. Do you know why? The same light that will be there in the end in which we need no luminaries was the same light that existed when God said, let there be light. It's no different than if Jesus was the light that John says in the beginning was the word and the word was what? It was with God and the word was God. You see, this whole point of creation was that the light that would fill everything and bring this emptiness and fill it up was the same creative God that looks at you this morning and says, stop trying to fill the emptiness and the void. Stop trying to let the sin haunt and just work its way out. Don't think sin is just going to slowly go away. 
Satan loves the sin in your life. I have learned in dealing with Jesus Christ in my life and my own situations that I've told so many people as you work through Revelation, we've learned Christ doesn't just cover your sins, he takes them away. Because when they're just covered up, it's not long until Satan wants to come along and uncover them. You're here this morning because you got angry. I know you did. If you didn't, I feel bad because I have. It doesn't take long in the mornings until I realize, man, Lord, I sin in thought, word, and deed. Many times all together at the same time. It's because of you and what you've done and how you've greeted me and you didn't say the right things and we expected something different. We always blame the ones we're around. But the darkness is in our life. God says to us, nothing will fill that void. Nobody else will fill that void. And if you think you're going to begin again and experience a different life and have something greater without beginning again with God, you're going to end right back up in chaos, emptiness, and nothingness. But oh, what a blessing when he writes us and he says the same thing. Not only does God have this, that those luminaries that were in the beginning, listen to this. I love this part that God created a world. He said, let there be light because the luminaries that come about later are only reflections of the light. True. You like to look at the stars and the moons and all those lights. But when the moon comes and reflects the light, we learn about those luminaries. But isn't this amazing in your own life that until you can become a light to someone else, you have to be filled with the light because you are only a reflection of what God has recreated. If God has not worked in your heart, if God has not taken the nothingness and began to create, and if he hasn't taken the chaos of the sin and the destruction of your life and the darkness and the emptiness that has left you, and he hasn't filled it with the light of what he is, you'll never reflect the glory of God. You may reflect your talents. I've done that a lot. My talents are better than yours. Is that not true? I found out on uh, Saturday morning that many of you have a lot more talents, and I let you do it. All that work out there, I did not leave, except I saw many men more talented than I, and they did it while I had a donut and coffee. It was Neil that told me that's the way it works around here. He said, for the past year, Jerry's done nothing but coffee and donuts, and so we've done all the work. No, the truth of it is, folks, we all have our own abilities and talents. And we all have treasures that we give to the Lord. But folks, that's not the reflection of what changes people's lives. You've raised your own children, and I know you've said this because I have failed in the same way. Oh, you know better than this. I know you know better. I taught you. You better know better. And if they don't know better, it's because Stacy taught them that part. And so I've learned over the years, no matter what it is, we look at them, we expect them to just know. You know why my children are so smart? They're all smiling right now. It's not because we're talented. I, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing I have done in the world of soccer. I could count all the awards. I could go back to the days and the colleges and the tournaments and the travel. And I hate to tell you this, folks, but that's not hereditary. Man, I can make all the money, save it up, put it in the bank, and stockpile it for the future. And I'm telling you, you all know as parents, children don't handle money except in a hereditary way. Just pass it on. It doesn't catch. But let me tell you this, the one thing that does catch and the one thing that is hereditary is sin. Your children will find the same emptiness, loneliness, and chaos that you have found. If you're going to introduce anything to them, you had better be a reflection of the light that God's created. 
to find a change in your life and to begin again is to say, let's begin again with God. The same way he looked to the leper and he said, look, there's a nothingness about your life. Let me change it. To the one that he reached out, to the woman who was bleeding, to the one who couldn't walk, to the one who couldn't speak. When he begins to fill your life, he takes the amazing amount of those things that we are left without in this form, in this void. And he begins to fill it in ways that it brings chill bumps on your neck when Jesus could walk out to the woman who was barren and say, it's a son. The miracle of how God can work in the life of a person. And to begin to recreate and to do things that nobody else can do. Is the God I'm telling you this morning is the God you need to have as you begin again. Not because you're lost. Maybe you are. Not because you're sinful in this morning. We've been searching you out. And not that Rusty Neal or anybody gave me any dirt but because you woke up this morning and the emptiness and the voidness sometimes just shows up. And the one place we search are the scriptures because we finally learned this. Not only does God have a plan for us and not only is the procedure gonna be brought out. I know there are play on words, but listen to this. He has a purpose. All things work together for what? Good. Oh, I'll tell you as a pastor, when the small child At a funeral house to be laid to rest, it's hard to tell people that's good. When you lay beside the bed of your grandparents and watch them breathe their last, it's hard to say, God, this is good. Boy, we go through circumstances when we lose those things most important, it's hard to say that's good. But when you understand that there is one who has a plan and he's been working this procedure and this plan out in your life because he has a purpose for everyone who is called and recreated by him, he didn't create a world without a purpose. He's governed and held it in place from the beginning and he doesn't recreate a new creation. He doesn't fill you with the light of life without having a plan and a purpose. You have meaning. How do we know that? Look at this last little bit. I love this part. After they have all these things, he's beginning to show them the purpose that he has in life. Listen to what he says. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. Man, I won't read you the whole chapter, but in my Bible, I don't know what yours is like. I go through my Bible. I'm still old-fashioned. I don't have it on the phones and things like that, but I have little highlights everywhere. And listen how many times in just one creative story of the God who promises to recreate. Listen to what he says. He created all the light, and it was good. You go down to verse 10. After he created all the seas and the words, and he said, it was good. He went down to the fruits and the trees and all things. He said it was good. He goes down to verse 19 and 18. After the light and the night and the darkness and the day, and it was good. But here's the most important part. After he keeps going down every day saying it was good, he gets to man. He creates man. He brings them a helper. He puts it all together in the garden. And you know what he says? It was very good. Not only does God have a plan, this wonderful procedure that he's working out in your life and a purpose that he's bringing about, but God has pleasure in you. You're good. I know I'm good. You're good. You really are. There's this wonderful, special thing about you that even though you're single, even though you don't make as much, even though you don't have as much, and even though you've been barren, and even though there's conflict, and even though there's frustration, and even though there's sin, and all these things that are going on in your life, there is a God who understands. And Paul writes back and he says, this God who said, let there be light in your life. 
The same God who said you will be a new creation is the same God who created all things and recreates in you a wonderful purpose with a plan. And here's what he says. It's because I have pleasure in you. Do you remember when God began to work in your life? Paul writes it this way in Romans and he says this. God has sent his own son to demonstrate that love for us and while we were yet what? Sinners. Let me paraphrase the Jerry version. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet in the darkness, in the void, in the deep of the world, in the process of creation, we had nothing to offer. God came to us when we were this complete emptiness and void with no purpose. We were without meaning. We had nowhere to go. We've tried everything to start again. We've searched out everything in this world so that we could be made right. We could be accepted and made whole. And I'm empty. And God demonstrated his love for me in that while I was all that. He took pleasure in me. If that's not a recreative purpose, if that's not the kind of God you want to serve, oh, Paul begins to remind us one other thing. I could take you on the journey on and on about the importance of a God who recreates in us. Again, I don't want to try to pick in your life this morning, and I don't want to say to you, look at this, look at the analogy You have nothing to bring to God. You cannot say, Lord, when I get things worked out, then I'll come. Lord, as we work through these problems, then I'll be a part. As I get things back under control, then I'll come. Listen, God is the one that says, I come to you when you have nothing. That's when you come to God. He comes to you when he says you're full of chaos. He doesn't want you to get it under control because you know who gets the credit? He wants it when it's a chaos. He wants to form and to fashion you into those vessels that we have called honor. The same vessels that Jeremiah would take and the same ones that God would say, take that vessel and drop it and let it crash into a thousand pieces and then let me put it back together. I'm not sure where you are this morning, but I will tell you if you're like me, a Christian, one who follows Christ, one who strives to serve faithfully, I still wake up on many mornings and say, God, I need the light. I need the light. And so let that light shine. Let that light shine. Second Corinthians 4 tells us, so that I would have the light of life. And so when you put it all together, you say, well, Pastor, what's the final outcome? When, when is it over? How do I know it begins? He has a wonderful plan. He's going to work out that procedure of chaos. He's going to bring that purpose to fruition when it comes. And he has pleasure in you. But listen to this. We all know what Philippians 1, 6 says. He who began a good work in you will what? Oh, I love a faithful God. I love a creative God. I love one who is over this universe. Because I know the God who has begun to work in me will not quit. He will not give me over. He will not hand me to the next. And he'll never stop. Because even when I am faithless, a God of creation remains what? Faithful. You can begin again. And wherever you are in life, I challenge you. Whatever the situation, whatever the relationship, whatever the purpose, the job, the task that is before you, you can begin again. It's never too late to begin again. But this time I say to you, please, let's begin again with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in just a few moments that we have to share, Father, we rejoice first and foremost over your covenant promises that, Father, you would reach down, that you would take your children 
you would draw them to yourselves here this morning that as we baptize, Father, we realize those were your creative purposes and promises, that they would be for our children and our children's children. Father, that's what we rejoice in. And Father, we also praise you because we realize each and every one of us need the creative power that you have. No one else, Father. We surrender to your creative hand that not only are you the one who sustains rules in the providential care of all things, but you want to recreate in our hearts. You want to take our nothingness, our emptiness, and that which has left us void. And you want to fill it with the light of life. Father, help us to be a light to the world. Help us to be a reflection of the love that is in us. And Father, our prayer is that you will complete that which you have started. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.